Hello, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to design and develop cities worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings, as much as the buildings themselves. Good morning, my name is James Heather, I'm Development Director for UNI. I'm responsible for the delivery of the Mayfield Regeneration Project in Manchester, just south of Manchester Piccadilly. So tell me about uh, Mayfield. Let's pretend, um, uh, well, most of the people listening will never have been there. So uh, maybe set the scene of what this place is today. Um, Mayfield represents uh, an astonishing opportunity for regeneration, a new regeneration scheme in Manchester. We've got 24 acres that sit literally within a sort of 150 um, yards of uh, Manchester Piccadilly train station, the main tra- train station coming into Manchester. Those 24 acres have a river running through the middle of it. Um, so we have an enormous opportunity of opening up the river to create uh, public space, to create a public park, all of which will be um, surrounded by commercial residential uh, uses, retail uses to create a, a truly sort of multi uh, occupancy multi-use regeneration project that's going to I think will change the face of uh, Manchester will has an opportunity of changing the face of Manchester and how people perceive regeneration schemes more widely so one of the things that people talk about in Manchester is that they feel like there's not enough green space and here you're you're about to develop a park did that figure into your thinking is that why the park is so central the, the, there is a need for green spaces within the city. That's very true. Um, we we always felt that when we were looking at the master plan for the original uh, frameworks that were developed for Mayfield, that the park needed to be expanded. We needed to open up the connections to the river. There's there's no places, very few places within the city centre where you can actually walk alongside the rivers. And Manchester has three rivers, which is which is fascinating. Um, the, the, the rivers have always been seen as being um, facilitating industrial growth and industrial uses uh, as opposed to recreational uses. And we very much felt that having, having a park, having the river, was a unique um, feature of the Mayfield site. And it enables us to, to bring in the green spaces, how we can use them, um, all of the, the reasons for actually people wanting to locate around Mayfield the fact that you have got the park, the fact that you've got the space that you can go and walk, you can play, you can enjoy the, the, the spaces um, in, a, in a very public but managed environment um, was, was hugely attractive and exciting. So you've got this piece of, of land next to a train station. You're obviously going to get kind of comparisons to King's Cross with the kind of even the shape of it and the fact that it's kind of got infrastructure on on one side of it. But how, how much has, has regeneration projects such as that been been inspiring or, or instructive? And, you know, what are you um, taking from those uh, perhaps lessons learned? And, and what are you changing here? Uh, I, think, I think the things that we're looking at, we've looked at King's Cross, obviously, I mean, and King's Cross is the most astonishing um, regeneration project uh, over the last probably 20 years or so. Um, but going back even further, to the other regeneration projects that you look across across the UK, the thing that the thing that um, will be is 
is going to be hugely important for us at Mayfield is to um, is to make sure that the place remains honest uh, and relevant to the local communities because there are there are so many schemes that you can look at that actually do that and are, are genuinely supported and loved by the local community. There are also an awful, awfully lots of uh, other schemes that are are not respected um, by by the local community and the local town or the city that you're you're based in. And so, for us, the, the one of the critical things is to make sure that we do we do ensure that Mayfield, as it's developed, is stays relevant to the people of that sit around the south. Um, it, it's relevant to the city. It delivers on the city's needs for um, large commercial buildings, residential buildings but also creates a park uh, that feels welcoming that you can walk into from any walk of life, from any place of life, feel safe, um, respect the place and look after the place. You and I as a developer has been associated with, with Meanwhile the Use or with some very successful Meanwhiles. And I know you're doing a number of interesting Meanwhiles here. What do you see as the role of, of Meanwhile Use? Is that has that changed a lot uh, at all? Um, and and what do you see the role of of meanwhile use here at Mayfield? Um, well, at Mayfield, we we actually use the we use the expression worthwhile uses because meanwhile feels a little bit um, temporary, um, whereas the the worthwhile that we're doing is 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 trying to um, is trying to bring in more people into into Mayfield. Is trying to broaden the sphere of people that understand what we're doing here. When we, when we first started in 2016, we found that 4% of um, the population that were surveyed uh, knew where Mayfield was. Um, over the last three and a half years, that figure's gone up to, I think it's over 50% now of the people that we interviewed recently. Um, so we are broadening um, our exposure. We are reintroducing the, the forgotten 24 acres back into the psyche of Mancunians and the reason for doing that is all around trying to create a place that uh, you create a place that people want to be in and once they want to be in there they want to feel part of it they are the natural um, source of resource for companies that want to base themselves at Mayfield so if you've got the people that want to be there you've got the environment you've got the uh, activity and the life then obviously um, commercial operators, leases, um, office, office, um, offices will, will make themselves come to Mayfield because you've actually got all of the assets that they will want to have um, on the doorstep when, we, when they arrive. So you've already talked about how you're going to have offices at Mayfield, but what else down the road? And you know, uh, how long is the uh, development scheduled to when complete and what will be there when it's finished? Well, we hope to be finished uh, in about 2031, 32, um, with a with a fair wind. So we've got um, we've got a huge pipeline of, as I said, commercial buildings that we're going to be building. We've got phase one, which is uh, hoping to be on site towards the end of this year. That uh, received planning consent in February, which was fantastic. So we have a 75,000 square foot building, office building. Um, which we would like to start, as I say, in September, October this year. Alongside that, we've got a multi-storey car park, 581 space car park, which will be delivered alongside about five and a half of uh, acres of the of the Mayfield Park, 
um, which has also been consented. That then sits also alongside a, a 240,000 square foot office that has the ability to be delivered either speculatively or, or for a pre-let market. So we have um, three buildings in the Mayfield Park that will be uh, potentially be able to start towards the latter end of, of this year. And then we're going to look at how you can phase the remaining development. So uh, the, the other commercial offices that are going to sit um, on the historic Mayfield Depot, how we can develop uh, residential units, uh, and how we can also take a, a fresh look at what we are going to be delivering it from a residential perspective, because we feel very much that there's an opportunity of, of not just copying the, um, the, the sort of residential towers that are springing up across the cities across the UK, but also to try and create a, a housing stock that will encourage more people into the city. At the moment, there's a there's a lack of there's a lack of housing for people that want to have children, that want to retire in the city, that want to come back into the city. So, uh, so people that maybe have had children lived in the suburbs actually want to come back to the city so we are we are very much trying to look at how we can create a, a very diverse sort of typology for residential uses as well um, as well as, as as well as looking at, at the offices and how you manage the offices and how the the ground floor plane of all of the offices works because we we very much feel that we want to be the person or the company that is going to operate and lease those uses so that we can manage the whole of the ground floor environment to the benefit of everyone that happens to be in and around Mayfield. It's important personally because we we are and I am you know we're in a hugely privileged position aren't we we've been given 24 acres of Manchester to be able to look after because essentially we're only looking after it for the next 20, 30 years, and then it's going to have to roll on, and other people are going to take it on and look after it. And it's a it's a huge it's a huge responsibility to to try and open up these huge unloved sites and to bring them back into into being part of a connected city. And so we we must get that right. Um, and so the the sort of the legacy that we can leave and how you can create structures that. Um, that becomes self-sufficient because everything that we have to do here is setting the setting the tone and setting the sort of foundations and the the way the site is going to be managed and looked after and developed is, is going to be for for many many years after we've walked away so if if we have to do it the moment we stop it in it it then stops we've almost failed haven't we i think the um I think going back to that that idea of getting people to come here and to dis discover it now, um, I think it's been interesting looking at the kind of uses that you're doing. You seem to be um, kind of spreading it everything from kind of, I guess, more higher end or more uh, more stylish uses, but it's actually quite a broad spectrum to go from stuff that the kind of primary school kids are engaging with all the way up to um, Manchester Pride, which would be a huge audience. But I guess maybe talk me through that kind of strategy when you're thinking about um, activation. I mean, is it like, that sounds cool, let's give it a go, or is it a very uh, strategic 
um, decision-making process when you're deciding whether it's street food or music or mountain biking? How do those, how do those projects come about? Uh, the, the, the worthwhile projects have all come about from um, the desire to, to open up the estate that, as I said earlier, so, so very few people in Manchester understand what the city uh, has in this asset. Um, so we, we wanted to do that uh, and we felt that the, the best way of, of, of encouraging people to come down here is to have authentic um, uses. So the, the first, first operators that we had were a, a food and drink um, market that opened on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We then supplemented that with some local community groups that are doing mountain biking um, and that, those events. And, and subsequently, we've built on those. So we're now operating. Uh, we've got uh, a license for up to 10,000 people. So we've been running uh, in the autumn of last year. We were running a series of 30 um, electronic music shows uh, through October, November and December. And we're going to be we're going to keep building on those. And we're going to we've got plans to open up a new um, a new food, food and drink venue. We've got pop-up hotel hotels planned. And really the whole purpose of doing all of this is to, it, it gives us an opportunity of understanding how people want to use the site, but also understanding what people's aspirations are for the site, because it's all well and good, us trying to uh, develop a master plan for the site, but you, you can only develop a master plan for a site once you understand it and once you understand how it sits within the local community. Otherwise, you end up with these great big regeneration schemes that almost look like they've been, they've been developed and just dropped into a city because they have no, there's no relevance to the local communities, the local surroundings. They're just a new shiny office development, residential development that, that has no connections to the, the, the community and the environment within which you sit. So authenticity is a really interesting word, I think, because it, it kind of uh, it has to do with, you know, I guess, um, history or um, storytelling. Uh, and it has to do, I mean, it's, it's also what is authentic is like a massive question, right? But I think it's interesting that, um, that you use it to define uh, kind of a, um, I, I don't know, what, what makes, an, uh, what makes an, an event or an activation uh, authentic and what would be inauthentic oh um i think the things that we when you talk about authenticity and we're we we're trying to just make sure that we um we respect the place we are um increasing uh, the experience of people in manchester so we're doing work with a lot of people from within the city um but we're also bringing in people from outside that do astonishing events and productions. Um, I think with it, inauthentic, unauthentic, um, it, it, it would just be, it would be staging events just for the sake of staging event and for, from a very um, focused reason for doing that, that you, you create something, you then deliver something, but then you take it away. Um, and so everything that we're trying to do here is to ensure that the worthwhile uses that we're bringing on actually have an opportunity to become part of the wider developed Mayfield proposition. And so there's, we have, we have the space and we have the opportunity and we've got the ability to deliver 
some of these uses that the people that we might be bringing in for um, the food and drink festivals, for example, those people can grow with us and can then take on a restaurant or can take on uh, a cafe or a bar or, or a, a pop-up space. And so you're, you're not using people, are you? You're, you're working with people to create something that, that could be amazing as opposed to using someone for a short-term gain that's, that you then drop um, when, when the use has passed. And so some of these things presumably do help kind of to, to generate some revenue in this development phase and, and maybe some of them don't. Well, how does that, how does that play? Does it start to play into your business model to, to be using the site? Um, or I guess um, it might be interesting to hear about that. Cause I mean, we talk about in Canada water, we did a podcast with Roger Madlin. He talked about the print works being a way for them to also you know, generate some income on that building, which was kind of sitting there empty. So um, is that figuring in more into business plans? Whereas I think when Meanwhile started, it was mostly marketing. Is it now also partially revenue generating? Um, well, as you know, Rog, very well. Um, and we've been around Canada Water and the guys that are running um, Printworks are the guys that are running um, the depot here for Mayfield. Um, and they're they're exceptionally good, um, but we we um, we don't view the sort of worthwhile uses as a uh, a commercial driver for us really in 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 the overall Mayfield scheme. It's it's always very good if it can create income because obviously then it's um, then it then it has a positive impact on on what we're doing. But the main thing for for us, the main reason for doing all of this is. Is it's it's creating it's creating that noise. It creates that interest. It creates a reason and to to, to draw people down. And as I said, to get to get Mayfield back into the psyche of people, if you can do that and it doesn't cost you anything, then it's brilliant. I think um, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think over the last over the last three months of bringing people down through warehouse projects and working with Broadwick, um, we created about. I think it's just shy of 10 million pounds worth of economic value to the city. And that's in terms of um, expenditure on hotels. That's um, whether that's expenditure with, with local companies. So all of our security is done um, from a, from a Manchester based um, the events management uh, company that actually are using the space. They're all Manchester based. So it's all, it's, it's, it's very much doing something that is, is benefiting the city. Um, and uh, you're right, Rose, to say, you know, over, over three months to, to deliver £10 million worth of economic gain is, is enormous. It's very impressive. Do you, I mean, probably fair to say that we're all in lockdown right now, which kind of changes the nature of everything that we're doing, everything that all of us are doing, which is why we're, we're supposed to be in Manchester with you today, but we're not. We're on a Zoom call. Um, how are you guys coping with that? Is that, you know, what have you, um, what has your been approach been and how are you uh, laying out the next few weeks? I mean, I imagine that you might not have an answer to that because not all of us, we, we don't all do, but I guess it'd be interesting to just touch on it in the, in the context of where we are. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, we, we, we're in um, a very interesting time, aren't we, at the moment, these, these next sort of, Two and a half weeks are going to be um, are going to be fascinating to see how people cope. But what's what's astonishing is just 
I suppose it's how resilient people are and how adaptable they are um, because you know we 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 as humans are, are social creatures and we all rely on social interaction all of the time and over the last sort of three days we've now all been enforced to to sit in in different rooms on our own um, but actually we can still work and we're still working today and you know we, we've um, yesterday I was on I think I was on on either zoom or teams meetings um, for all of the day and you can still you can still get work done it's not it's just working in a very different way and we've just got to we've just got to adjust ourselves and it's going to be fascinating I think to see what happens um, when when the world settles down again as to whether we do go back to whether we go back to the old um, the, the old way of doing it or we stick a lot with the new way uh, I think we're we're in we are in fascinating times when we look back when we're older. When you look at when you're at this kind of point in your cycle where you're looking, you're starting to look for for investors, investors and partners. Is that? Um, I mean, everybody in the whole world is kind of in the same boat. So does that kind of negate the 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 issues around that, or is it just it's just too soon to really discuss impacts? Well, there has been. I mean, there's been a very obvious. Um, sort of uh pause in what people are doing but i think that will very quickly move from pause into continuing again because uh, the world is going to continue to spin and we are going to have to continue to um to to bring projects like this forwards because we are the city the city will continue to grow um What's probably going to be more important for us as we as we look across the portfolio is to make sure that um, that our schemes remain as relevant as they can be, and that we don't end up uh, with a sort of historic model of development that that could very quickly become obsolete. So, making sure that Mayfield is 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 entirely relevant to sort of tomorrow's uses is, is going to be the challenge for us. I, I mean, we talked about the first phase that's coming through and um, you've got a couple of office buildings and um, a multi-story car park. How do you deal with the, I mean, what, what do you guys, uh, what's your vision in terms of the future of, of car and transport? I mean, Manchester is an interesting place because it still is a car city. A lot of people do drive in. Um, and I know that there are, the city itself is trying to change that. Um, and you do have a train station. Um, right there, but I guess that it'd be interesting to hear about your future projections when it comes to to car use in Manchester. Well, uh, I think we, yeah, it's an interesting question because you could say why you know why do you need a 580 space multi-story car park? Um, but when you look at the fact that we've got 3.6 million square foot of of um, development on the whole of the estate, we are we very much are focused on the whole of the estate being as car free as we can. Um, so all of the car parking uh, will be provided in one location. Um, so we're not looking at providing car parking underneath any of the residential units other than for essential um, essential spaces that you have to provide in terms of um, uh, accessibility, etc. So we're, we're, we're doing that. Um, we're also very conscious of the work that um, Manchester City Council are doing and Transport for Greater Manchester because there is a drive, as you say, 
people are still driving in Manchester and people will continue to drive into Manchester. But the drive to, um, to locate all of the multi-story car parks that are coming forwards on the inner ring roads and then to take them out of the city centre to improve the retail environment, to improve air quality and to sort of improve the pedestrian connectivity across the city centre is critical and, and Mayfield forms part of that. Um, and the other thing is, I suppose, is to is to look look forwards, whether it's whether it's over the next two, three, four years, or whether it's over the next fifteen or twenty years, because there will still um, there will still be the need for a space, a multi-story car park sized box or shape that is going to house a vehicle. Now, whether that's an autonomous vehicle, whether it's an electric vehicle, whether it's a, a car, or whether it actually becomes um, part of the sort of Amazon or Google last mile drop-off point, collection points. So there is still going to be that fundamental need for some use in that space. And all we can try and do is when we're, when we're looking at the car park is to make sure that we have got the provision to, to make it go 100% electric. We have looked at um, whether we end up with the ability to deliver um, photovoltaic arrays on the roof or on the southern elevation. So those, those considerations are already being had to make sure that we, we aren't just delivering a, um, a car park that's um, reliant on fossil fueled vehicles coming in and out of it. Are you also looking at kind of retaining a high enough floor to ceiling ratio that it could be converted into something else in future because that's certainly a trend um, that's been noted out in the United States is that now when they build a multi-story car park they make sure they can turn it into something else yeah I mean we, we've looked at we've looked at some of those those ideas as to whether you could um, you could have flat slabs you could increase loadings for the slabs you could increase heights um, and it's it's a it's a difficult one economically as to whether it whether it actually stacks up to try and future proof things because you're future proofing uh, a structure that you're you're trying to look forward in the future um, and it could just layer on additional costs which which impact the viability um, or you could look at actually whether it could be built in a in a way that then becomes recyclable or or um, sort of almost demountable, and then can be taken somewhere else and re-erected as a car park. So we're 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 in a fascinating sort of um, period of looking at how you can use those sites or or use that site and maybe recycle it, re recycle it into different uses. So yes, where are you in your um, net zero journey as a company? Is this a site that you're um, trying some pioneering things on or looking at? We, we are going to be looking at, and um, we, we indeed are already looking at how you can um, sort of deliver net zero across, across the whole of the estate. Um, it's very difficult on the early phases to, to deliver net zero, um, but we can always look at uh, zero carbon in use, which is one of the things that we're looking um, very much at. Uh, we're also looking at... Um, uh, with the car park, for example, whether there's an opportunity of using that as a as a battery, effectively for the future. So, um, you, you utilizing energy that is created um, off peak that then can then can infill the um, demands when you're at peak peak loads um, is something that's quite interesting and challenging. But 
the whole of the estate needs to look at it and we, we've got to have a plan as to um, what net zero means. But also, I think we, we, we've been looking more widely at what um, sustainability means as to whether that means... I think there's a bigger debate as, uh, in terms of offices. So you may, you may have offices that are densely occupied and therefore have a, a need for um, cooling, um, you, you won't have a, a need for heating, but you'll definitely have a need for cooling. And whether it's more efficient to to do that in a densely occupied office with um, with a carbon load, or whether you're better off doing that in a in a less densely occupied office that might be naturally ventilated and naturally heated heated and cooled, but actually is is less efficient as an office building to create um, than some of the buildings that we we might be proposing on Mayfield. So. Um, that's an interesting discussion and point that we're, we're all having as a team. But there's also the, the wider sustainability point as to where, where do people come? Do they drive to work? Can they, can they walk to work? Can they cycle to work? If they cycle to work, have you got the right provision? Can you have a shower? Can you keep your, um, your, your day-to-day clothes uh, in an office or in a, in a cycling area and then cycle home? So we, it's. I think it's a bit more. It's a bit broader than just focusing on where energy comes from. Is is our um, is our driver, and and also where you where your labour comes from. Does it come from a local community? Is it is it local? Is is it able to? Um, you know, can you walk to work? Can you cycle to work? Is uh, is 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 part of our challenge as well. How are you working on your? retail strategy where i mean it's been quite a year for retail it's been um a tumultuous year i guess but uh, what what's what's your current thinking the thinking around retail is um is primarily around trying to create uh, interest and to support and sustain a community across the whole of the estate that uh, we, we we very much feel that it needs to be Mancunian. It needs to be um, it needs to be uh, very much sort of grounded in the city. We don't feel that Mayfield is a natural home for the large chains. I think the things that the thing that you notice across markets, across retail um, areas, is that the successful places, all of the successful places, are built on local businesses that are able to respond to the local market that have, um, uh, I, I suppose, a, a, a run by local people, um, as opposed to the big multinationals, the big chain stores that, um, the, that are very much faceless. And people, people want to come to those, those areas, where, whether it's a market area or a, uh, somewhere like Mayfield, because you, you, can, you can see, we go back to that word authentic, can't you? You, can, you can go back to that it is relevant it's authentic to the place you know who you're who you're buying your bread from you know who you're going to get your your cheese from you have a relationship with them um, and people respond to that and people the best high streets in this, across the uk that are developing are the ones that are, are are locally focused aren't they so is your hope for a kind of a cheese shop bread shop uh, a fruit and veg shop or um or are you seeing it more um maybe food and, and beverage serving the kind of office community um do you have a, a 
a sense of, of that? Because you've got both residents who presumably are going to need to buy some booze and and, <laughs> and maybe pick up some paracetamol. Uh, and then you've got um, your your office people who, you know, they actually might just want to go to Pret or, or, um, you know, kind of have the services of a chain. So it's, it's, I mean, it's a tricky mix, but you also, uh, presumably there's, you know, you're not an island, you've got stuff off, off campus, as you might say, um, as well. So, um, yeah, just be interested to hear about that. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's two supermarkets in Piccadilly train station. So if you need, if you need to go and get your supermarket shop, you can go and do that in Piccadilly, which is literally sort of a three or four minute walk away. Um, I don't think I don't think Mayfield is the right location necessarily for one of those uses. Um, I think we've got a better opportunity of sort of delivering a very um, very diverse and layered cultural community use, retail use, sort of F and B uses across the whole of the estate. And it goes back to my previous point about making sure that we own and retain control of the ground floor uses, because that way we are able across the whole of the plane um, that the Mayfield has to ensure that we don't end up with competing uses. You can control whether, you know, how many sandwich shops you have, what, what facilities you have, um, as opposed to different landlords all, all seeking to fill their building, fill their retail uses with a, with a Pretz because Pretz pay the highest rent um, based on the turnover that they do. But actually that might not be um, relevant or the right thing for, for Mayfield. So we've, we've got to balance it. But equally, you're absolutely right. You know, there are going to be um, two, two and a half thousand people, three thousand people that actually live on Mayfield. And those people that live on Mayfield are going to need... Um, you know they're going to need more than just the artisan baker um, and and fruit and veg uh, provider. They're going to need the basics of life. So it's it's just a, a a case of how you how you balance that across the whole of the estate and how you manage it. Really, I can just see you know, this kind of um, uh, neighborhood. Uh, I think it's worth talking about these kind of two different neighborhoods you're creating because you have these residential. Um, towers that are very much um, uh, with green space between them on the is that the south um, eastern uh, south, yeah yes and then you've got a kind of low rise looks more family housey maybe talk about those um, those two different neighborhoods and and maybe are, are some of them more are the the lower rise are they more um, family what's your kind of two bed studio one bed um, three-bed mix on the res i think the residential is going to be fascinating as to how it's how it is developed because it is a later phase uh, of mayfield and i think there's going in my personal view is that um we're going to see a move away from the sort of the current thinking in terms of the whether it's the private retail sector or um the, uh, the the develop to for investors or indeed people that actually want to live in the homes. Um, I think we've got an opportunity at Mayfield to move to a different typology and a different use. So as opposed to uh, a residential tower that has its own private bar, it has its own private gym, it has its own private cinema rooms, etc. That you as a resident can can hire or borrow um, and. And for it, um, for those those buildings to be very inward looking, 
I think with the 24 acres that we have, with the, um, the ground floor uses under our control with the park, um, with the, the whole of the, the depot as, a, um, as an area that you can, you can populate with F&B or uses or retail, um, there's more of an opportunity here to create a community where people use the whole of the site um, as, as part of your living experience as opposed to just living in a tower um, where you where you maybe use the gym, maybe use the, the bars um, that are specifically for the residents. And there's also an opportunity to, to look at how you would bring forward what the residential offering is, because at the moment the the city has been has been playing catch up um, in terms of delivering a an enormous pipeline of residential units to sustain the growth of the city, which has been predicated on um, the success of the universities within the city and the, the retention of graduates and the um, the inflow of uh, young people that want to come and live and work in the city, uh, and that's that's created a certain demand for a certain typology of a residential apartment. Um, but actually now the city is is playing catch up because there, there is a need to deliver the other social side of life that those people are going to want. So when when they decide to have children, when they people get married, um, they may want to stay in the city, they may want to have children in the city. And if you have children in the city, where do you want them to play? Where do you want them to uh, be able to go into open space? So there will, I'm, I'm convinced, be at Mayfield an opportunity to deliver townhouses, um, three or four bedroom apartments that you see on the continent, but almost exclusively don't see in the UK, um, where you might want to stay to put down roots and actually stay in the city for a period of you know years or a decade or so um, and support that with community uses the schools the fact that you need the doctor surgeries you need you need the whole of the um, sort of support network to enable communities to flourish as opposed to become transient communities that move um, when they when they get married and have children decide to move into the suburbs because that's the done thing is the is transience do you think something that is becoming a problem with the growth of the private rental sector um not sure that it's a it's a problem i think it's a factor um or a, a function of transient populations but they don't create communities um and, and what's in, what's interesting is actually the places that uh, the, the prs buildings that do create communities are the ones that are very focused on the needs of the occupier as opposed to necessarily the needs of the investor so there's some great examples in manchester where you're allowed to keep um you're allowed to keep pets for example which are normally banned um from residential blocks and those pets um the the, the occupancy rates are incredibly high as are the the longevity of the, the lease agreements um because you're actually you you you're you're delivering on the needs of the people that want to want to live there but then importantly actually you've created a community then that actually decide they want to stay there because they're surrounded by their friends and their um you know their their social network aren't they so it's it's fascinating how that is changing life uh brings you back to your comment about 
the desire for the right kind of investor. Uh, I guess how do you um, how do you find someone that then really retains that connection to the occupier and isn't kind of a remote um, uh, and and disinterested uh, uh, partner? It's it's just down to selection and finding the right person. It, it's uh, it's 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 like entering into a marriage, isn't it? You know you know you need to share you you have to share a vision. You have to share. Um, uh, sort of a, a moral direction of where you want to be. Um, you have to be um, very aware, socially aware. Uh, we need we need a partner that um, would love to find a partner that would sit alongside us, that has all of um, shares in our beliefs uh, and wants to have a long long standing role within the development because that's where you can create um, that's where you create value, whether that's financial value or social value. Um, you can create a place and it, it becomes a very sustainable and successful place um, as a result of that long-term investment because the upfront costs of any large development scheme can be enormous um, and so the, 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 the rewards and the returns come much further down the line than, than just from phase one. So um, having that long-term investor backer for the project um, is, is essential, really. Well, right now, it's uh, a lot of virtual relationships in an industry that tends to want to shake hands and meet face to face. Is that, um, is that, is that kind of going to change the nature of that? If it goes on for a long time, I guess, will we be, uh, will we be networking more digitally in the property industry? It feels to me like an industry that, that really relies on on face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, I, well, I think that's the joy of the the industry that we're in, isn't it? Because we're we we do rely on face-to-face -face meetings. We do rely on relationships because that's what that's what glues everything together, and that's what holds us. Um, and that's quite frankly, for me, that's the sort of the joy of what we're doing because I I love the interaction. I love the fact that um, across Mayfields. And even with the small team that we have here, you know, we, we know everyone that's on the, on the estate and you'll know people, you'll know um, in, in due course, you'll know the office occupiers, um, you'll know and manage the people that actually are taking the, 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 the retail units or the pop-up units. And it's, and it's all based on relationships. And if you have relationships with people, you, you have so much more in-depth understanding about what their personalities are like, what they're, how they're feeling, what they're doing, how the businesses are operating, um, which I'm not sure that you necessarily get through, you certainly don't get through a telephone conversation. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how this all pans out when, when we're looking at four very small screens of pictures of people on, on, on the corner of your, your laptop. Well, that just leaves me to say thank you very much for talking to me about Mayfield today. That's okay. Um, uh, very happy. I think it was an interesting, fascinating conversation. This podcast has been brought to you by The Developer. Produced by Simon Mercer. With music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at at TC Murray.